We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome to my tournament of champions. I have assembled the most talented athletes from around the globe. Sport of emperors and bandits alike. Ping pong. <laughs> or, as the Chinese say, ping pong. In the world of illegal underground table tennis, legend tells of one man who risked everything to be the best. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Side note, if you have any preference for the cadence I deliver that welcome back in, let me know. I've been trying out different things recently. But uh, we're going off the beaten path today. Not a movie you often think of when it comes to sports movies or even 2000s comedies. We're doing Balls of Fury, the ping pong comedy that's kind of fallen by the wayside, perhaps for good reason, but it does have some good Christopher Walken. Uh, My guest was the one and only Jared Borslow. You might be familiar with the guy. I've known Jared a while. I did a podcast for Jared's former employer, Grand X Media, for a while, and Jared appeared on an episode. It was a parenting podcast. Jared's not a dad was a very interesting subject, but Jared's a great guy. I love talking with him. Um, He reached out about doing this movie. I knew Jared was all about ping pong, but it wasn't until we recorded that I realized how dialed in he is to the ping pong game. He was a great guest, perfect guest for this movie. I'm not sure I could have found a better one. If you enjoy Jared on this episode, check out all his ventures. He co-hosts the Ross Bolin podcast with Ross Bolin, who you might remember did the Waterboy with me last year. Love Ross. Uh, you know, they do great stuff over there. Uh, also co-host Freeze All Motor Functions with Ross, which is Jared will detail is, is coming back soon. It's a Westworld podcast. If you're into Westworld, um, definitely check them out. He also runs the Tinder Conversations Instagram account, which if you know Jared, shouldn't surprise you at all. We've got two new Apple Podcasts five-star reviews to read this week. As always, I will read out reviews at time of recording. Really appreciate those. Like I've said, you guys know how podcasting goes. Those Apple five-star ratings and reviews help podcasts grow. They help me out a ton. I've got an incredibly fragile ego, so they also help that. Uh, The first review is from Aaron Fig 26 
Uh, subject line, excellent pod. Says, this is an amazing podcast. I love how they discuss the realism in sports movies. As an avid baseball and golf player, I enjoy how they break down those movies, among others. Kyle is a great host. Really appreciate that review. Obviously, that's going to soothe the ego for a while. Uh, Next review is from FBC 2010. Now, the subject line is JCVD Facials. If you listened to last week's episode on Bloodsport, I believe he's talking about all of John Claude Van Damme's facial expressions. And not, you know, you guys know what facials are. Uh, it says, really enjoy this pod and listen to most episodes when they're on movies I've seen. The guests are always great, especially when they're from the Grand X, from former Grand X Media, like today. Bloodsport episode was particularly hilarious. Always appreciate those reviews, guys. If you haven't yet, please go tap that five-star rating on your podcast app. Leave a review. Let me know what you think. You know, the, those ratings help the podcast grow, help us be seen, help us get more guests. Um, so I am very appreciative of everyone who's done that. I'm also appreciative to everyone who has downloaded the free Flick app, got on there, come chatted sports movies with us, gotten upcoming episode information. If you haven't downloaded Flick, download that free app, search for Big Screen Sports, or DM me at, at big underscore screen sport on Twitter or at Instagram big screen sports pod. For now, it is time to get to Balls of Fury with my old buddy Jared Borslow. All right, my guest for this very special episode of Big Screen Sports, he's the co-host of Freeze All Motor Functions, a Westworld podcast, and he also is a co-host of the Ross Bolin podcast, and he runs the Tinder Convos Instagram account. He's a man who wears many hats, my buddy Jared Borslow. Jared, how you doing? It's great to be back in the content podcast game with you, Kyle. It is great to, to have you on this podcast for the first time. We recorded my old podcast, the Dadgum Podcast, way back when, uh, back in the the Grand X days, your former employer, my former podcast network. Uh, but tell me, before we get into Balls of Fury, tell me what you have in the works with, with all the hats you're wearing right now. Yeah, so along with my full-time job where I do marketing uh, for a direct-to-consumer company, I also am bringing back Freeze All Motor Functions. It's me and Ross Boland's Westworld podcast. Season three's coming, so we're bringing it back. A lot of people keep asking us when. And this is actually the announcement of that. It is going to be... January at some point. So not really an announcement, kind of like a non-announcement announcement. But along with uh, Freeze on Motor Functions that I do with Ross, I also co-host his podcast, the Ross Bolin Podcast, uh, and run the Tinder Combos Instagram, where if you like reading absurd, weird, and bizarre uh, dating app conversations... Check it out on Instagram at Tinder Combos. Did I do a good job plugging myself, Kyle? That was an excellent plug. Uh, if anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while, you remember Ross Boland was on doing The Waterboy uh, way back when. Jared, if the folks want to find your work, where can they follow you on social media? At Jared Borslow. The display name is J-Bone. It Tell sure him J-Bone sent you. Tell him J-Bone sent you. It sure as hell is. Uh, but Jared, back when you were working for Grand X, the company that I did some podcast work for way back when you played, you were notorious for playing a shit ton of ping pong. And that's why you're here to talk the movie Balls of Fury with me. Balls of Fury is a 2007 ping pong comedy crime film. Down and out former professional ping pong phenom Randy Daytona sucked into a vortex when FBI agent Ernie Rodriguez recruits him for a secret mission. Randy is determined to bounce back and win and to smoke out his father's killer, Archfiend Fang. It starred Dan Fogler, George Lopez, Maggie Q, and Christopher Walken. It was directed by Ben Garrett. 
written by him and Thomas Lennon. Thomas Lennon also stars in the movie. He got a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's kind of essentially Bloodsport with Ping Pong. Bloodsport is the movie we covered last week. Uh, Jared, I will I will kick it to you. What makes a good sports movie, and what makes a good spoof sports movie? Because this is clearly a a farce in the sense of it's not trying to be serious. Do the sports matter in a comedy or a spoof? Yeah, when you have Thomas Lennon and uh, Christopher Walken in a movie with George Lopez, it's definitely not going to be a serious movie. Um, and I think Balls of Fury knew that going in. And for me, a good sports movie or a good spoof sports movie, I need the actual sports action to look realistic unless it's intentionally looking so bad that it's funny. Does that make sense? Yeah, which is a lot of this movie. It's a lot of CGI'd ping pong content. It is, and the weird thing is, and I thought this the whole time watching it, aside from one scene where the ping pong CGI was like hilariously bad, and I don't know how they didn't cut it, because all it would have taken was ending that scene like a millisecond earlier, I actually thought that the CGI ping pong was pretty good, especially for an early 2000s like movie. Yeah, it didn't look blatantly terrible. Um, it was like... If, if you're, I think they're trying to draw the eye to the people hitting the ball. And like, if you look at the people hitting it, their strokes are pretty good, pretty realistic. They've got like, you know, some decent form. And if you're not like looking at the ball, it looks pretty real. I'm, I'm going to say it. I, I think they did a decent job of making this look so okay that you don't even, it does not detract from the movie to me, except for that one scene. So for you, is it a Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer sports film? So I think I proposed this to you like, hey, I want to do Balls of Fury probably like a year ago, right? It's been a while, yeah. Um, And I was like, I'm going to rip into this movie, right? Like, I'm like, this is going to be a bench warmer. This is going to be like a movie that I'm going to laugh at. Like I laugh at, you know, shitty old movies like Troll 2 and like, I don't know, every single Lifetime movie. And like a few minutes in, I was like, man, there's like more funny one-liners than I remember. And by the end of the movie, I was fully sold that this is a starter. Okay, that's a fair point. Um, it, it, I will say this movie defies expectations. It's better than you think, <laughs> but I'm going to do a two-parter. The first 40 minutes for me are a complete bench warmer. can completely skip them. <laughs> but if this was on TV and I, I would probably turn it on out of curiosity. If it's in the second half of the movie, if it gets to Fang's mansion, I would mm-hmm. say it's like a low level replacement level starter. It's Okay. Uh, all these people have done stuff that is better, funnier, uh, <laughs> but it's not, it was not the worst way to spend my time. I will, yeah. I will say that I I've spent my time watching worse things in my life. I, for me, I think that I don't necessarily, when it comes to like TV and movies, I don't laugh out loud that often. You know, when you watch with somebody and they're, they're laughing at stuff, you're like, that's not that Funny. I'm not that guy, but I, I think I laughed out loud twice during this movie. I, I think. think I laughed Which, out loud once. I know the exact part. Okay. I wonder if it was one of my two. So I will, I, I'm just going to step on it for, uh, from, uh, let's see. When did I, when did I write? I think I wrote it during, uh, during best scene. It's at the end when, um, when, when, when the sex slave, 
Uh, the, <laughs> the, the sex slave Gary says, "I'm gonna save the panda," and then he's like, "The panda's dead." That's what, that's the only time I laughed. So you know what? I laughed out loud three times. Uh, I mean, do you want me to just get to those later? I think I have them under best scenes. Yeah, we'll but get that him, was we'll get him. I best did scene. laugh out loud. Okay, that. let's go. I, there's not really any good IMDb trivia for this one. Let's go right into best scene. Um, I will kind of I'm kind of kind of work down. You let me know if I miss anything. Uh, just the opener, the Olympic match where Randy gets hurt, delivers his, I'm going to Disney world or Disneyland line. Uh, you know, and, and then that, that drags into his dad, Sergeant Pete Daytona, the degenerate gambler being, uh, executed. Um, then there's Maggie's intro where she kicks everyone's ass, like literally just fights a bunch of dudes, kicks their ass. Always, always in favor of when, when some woman beats up a lot of guys on this. You know what bothered me? So in that, in that scene, that is when Eddie was like clearly he starts off as just like, oh, he's just a guy who trains at we you know with the Wongs. And then he tries to murder Maggie. Yeah, they it, it escalates real, real quick. It, it, she just beats she plays four dudes at once. She beats them all, and then they gang up on her, and then one of them, I don't think it was Eddie, it wasn't. One of them tries to stab her with a knife. It's a tough while look. everybody else, while twenty other dudes, including well, I guess her, you know her, her uncle's blind, but you know you got Randy Daytona is like trying to save her, and her uncle's like, yeah, she's got this, don't worry. I don't think her blind uncle knew this dude had a knife. Yeah, not only is he blind, he's like one of the least capable blind guys who's ever appeared <laughs> in film. Normally, especially you know they'll give uh, they'll, yeah. you know they'll give blind people like he doesn't he doesn't have any increased senses. He walks, uh, they, they very he walks much into things all the time. He can't stop walking into things, and then he ends up walking down walking down an elevator shaft, surely maiming himself terribly. Yeah, he's probably dead, honestly. Yeah, this <laughs> How do you survive that? Uh, next scene, there's uh, when Randy defeats the dragon, which is the, the Asian child, the, the yes. small girl. Um, and then that's all I had for like the first 40 minutes of the movie. Uh, Fang's intro when it's just Christopher Walken being Walken, you get introduced to that hairpiece he's wearing. Uh, you know, it, it's it's when the movie finally really gets going for me. Now, I would actually Walken. argue that I I think possibly the best fifteen seconds of this movie came in the first half and really in the first like five minutes, and that is David Koechner singing. His matinee, uh, like what the hell was he? Elton John, Liberace, okay, I Jimmy forgot Buffett about that. combo, the, show, the Reno show when he kills the guy, when Randy kills yes. that guy. Yeah, thank you. Take a bow, honey. There she is. All right, let's keep the love going for our very next act, the Pepper Mills' very own ping pong wizard. Randy Daytona. Randy Daytona. Let's bring him out. How's everybody feel this afternoon? All right! Dude, David Koechner was in this movie for about three minutes, and he is hilarious. This movie could have used more of David Koechner. I don't know if he, they had him for a day or if they had him for like an hour, but <laughs> I'll, I'll get into this at the end when we talk about improving it. But David Koechner, they, they could have really used some more of him, honestly. Hey, hey, why don't we cut out George Lopez? 
and replace him with David Koechner. I got a lot to say about that. <laughs> I got a this is, lot. Dude, I want, I want to just get real quick into the cast of this movie, which is so much more star-studded than I remembered and would have ever expected. Christopher Walken, George Lopez, by the way, this is the first time I've ever seen him not playing George Lopez. Yeah, he's not in he's not in a whole lot where he's not George Lopez. Um, uh, Terry Terry Crews underutilized, of course. He's always underutilized. You can't have enough Terry Crews. Absolutely, absolutely. This I've got a lot about about the cast. It's really <laughs> my, I think normally my favorite category that I'm looking forward to in this podcast is just going over kind of like what worked and stuff like that. Like I like talking about the good things that movies done do. With this one, it's how to improve it. The, the end. <laughs> do you is, think this could have been a classic? I don't know about a classic. I think it could have been a lot better. Let's keep rolling with the best scenes. Uh, the Randy Freddie Fingers match, your boy Terry Crews, who we were just talking about. It's the first legit ping pong match in the movie because the match mm-hmm. with the dragon only goes like a couple, yeah, you know, it's three points. A couple, yeah, and you, you watch uh, Freddie Fingers get executed. Um, then there's Dude, the ping Freddy pong Fingers, montage. What, what was that line he had? It was like, he, he called him a bitch and it was amazing. I mean, he's, a, he's essentially cheeseburger Eddie, but ping pong instead of football. Is what they yeah. went with there. He's good. Yeah. There's the after that it goes into the ping pong montage. Uh, you know the tournament going out, and then potentially I think my I, my best scene or my favorite moment is when when the shit starts going down and Randy lets out the sex slaves of the <laughs> <laughs> like the jail cell. Dude, uh, the sex slaves were so funny. Dietrich Bader, who is from the Drew Carey show, is so amazing in this movie like he, it, he, is, he is forever more from office space man he he's two chicks at the same time man what would you do if you had a million dollars i'll tell you what i'd do man two chicks at the same time man dude he's he did such a good job with that role like what a shitty role for him to get i mean you know you got to take a paycheck sometimes yeah and he uh, crushed it. you know he, he was good enough and then uh the the fang randy match at the end did I miss any of your favorites besides the the David Keckner as Rick the Birdmaster? <laughs> I think that there, as far as like, I, I don't think really that there are scenes, but more so moments, you know, like funny moments that like were, I guess you could call them a scene. I, yeah, I that's liked, a lot of this movie. Yeah. I, I liked Wong's monologue about ping pong being like a prostitute when he said like, but why do I do this? It is the only one I can afford. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, him hitting the bees, like, oh, what I have to do? Swat flies? No, you need to swat bees. That was a slapstick moment. Yeah, you're right. It's all it's more moments than scenes. Yeah. You can't really like break it down scene to scene. I think I, I gotta say mine is either the Freddy Fingers match or just that moment where Randy lets out the sex slaves. I think that's hilarious. And did you? Yes or no? Be honest. Did you laugh out loud? I thought this was. An un, a phenomenal line, Christopher Walken, when he goes, they're, they're real. Well, well they're, they're replicas. They're limited edition replicas. Some of them are, some of them are real. Yeah. Christopher <laughs> Walken is the best replica. part of this movie, not to, not to step on what worked. Um, yeah, yeah. No, he, he, did a, he, he really did a good job. He, re- he did. He did. Um, Despite the fact that his character, what a, what a weird concept. Like, they never address in this movie whether we're supposed to imagine Christopher Wonkin actually is Chinese. They don't even t- touch on that. I feel like that's the whole joke of it, especially because he calls Randy Guilo at one point, which is really yeah. funny. Yeah. Um, 
Let's roll right into most authentic and least authentic uh, sports-centric parts in the film. Did you have something for, for the most authentic or realistic as far as the ping pong goes in this movie? I think yes. So first off, this movie did correctly showcase how China is the world's premier ping pong superpower. People don't know this. China has 53 Olympic ping pong medals and every other country combined has 47. That they is have a six dynamite drop-in. Yes. I would have had no clue. Uh, China swept the podium in the Olympics twice, 1988 and 2008. They won gold, silver, bronze. 1988 was right around the year that Randy Daytona was supposedly in the Olympics. Hey, I man, believe. that was the exact same year. Exact the same games, year, Randy Daytona. 88 games in Seoul, South Korea. And Carl Wolfstag. Carl, dude, Carl Wolfstag. Thomas Lennon crushed his character, too. I think the most realistic thing for me was... Uh, and now, and now, Jared, don't take offense to this. I know you're a big ping pong guy. You don't yes. need to be in great shape to be good at ping pong. Like, maybe real good, maybe the best of the best are in great shape. But, uh, you know, ping pong's a sport that takes all comers. We'll say that. It is. Like Patton Oswalt. Yeah, exactly. Now, you can be a Terry Crews, who's just one of the most ripped human beings on the planet. Uh, but, yeah, you don't, you don't need to be in great shape. As far as the least authentic or least realistic, I want to go first because uh, I thought George Lopez, I thought his character was horrible. It was a horrible agent. I thought he did a really <laughs> terrible job. He's very flippant with the plan. He's very loud, very public. He's extremely skittish when that lamp falls in the hotel room and suddenly jumps out and starts shooting. That is not yes. what I want in an agent. Dude, I, I think that the scene where he breaks Randy's hand is the most frustrating scene in the whole movie. Yeah, it's like, what the? What are you doing, sir? He's like, oh, I thought you changed your mind. You think, did they ever discuss that? That didn't seem to be part of the plan. I, 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 don't, I, if I didn't think it was part of the plan. I don't think Randy thought it was part of the plan. Yeah, I, it, that, that whole thing made no sense, that, that decision. Uh, I can't think I, of like, one I get what they were going scene. for. It was a, I, I get that they were going for a laugh, but it, that, didn't, that one didn't land for me. Dude, did George Lopez have one good scene? Be honest. No, absolutely not. I, he, I'm glad that you're on the, the same ball. page. I'm glad that you're on the same page with me on this. I was worried that you were going to be a George Lopez stan, <laughs> and we were going to be playing our own little game of ping pong with George Lopez, but <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're good. Did you have something uh, the least authentic or realistic for this movie? I did. Um, dude, Nagasaki playing with two hands, nobody does that. Do you remember he, Nagasaki was the Japanese player who has both hands for both his forehand and backhand. Nobody does that. No, not a single ping pong player in the world has a two-handed forehand and backhand. Like nobody, even in even like if this was tennis, yeah, a lot of people have a two-handed backhand. You you, you don't have a two-handed forehand too. Well, yeah, Fang like, does the same thing. Fang like, grabs Fang grabs a double paddle and does the same thing. Oh well. You, having you know having two, oh, one paddle in each hand is different than holding one paddle with both of your hands. That takes away all your reach. Okay, no, no, that makes that makes more sense. Yeah, no ping pong player would ever destroy all of their reach. Like not to mention your accuracy. I mean, like what's that's absurd. Like that was, that, come on. I it was it's kind of like that remind me that scene where they had Nagasaki with both hands on a paddle and playing and and acting like he was good reminded me of skills that kills from dodgeball. Oh, I love skills that kills. My favorite team. I think they got robbed of the title. I think they were phenomenal. However, Better check themselves before they wreck themselves, Cotton. <laughs> obviously, 
their style of play, the showboating, the 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 like Jamie Kennedy esque appearance and and vibes they gave off was never going to win them the title. I think they knew that, you know. But, Man, I can't wait to do dodgeball. Dodgeball <laughs> yeah, is so doing? much better than this movie. Who are you doing that with? I have no idea, but it's so much better than this movie. Dude, that's going to be like your biggest, the, the most listens you ever get. That's like maybe dodgeball the most popular the sports last, movie. Dodgeball might be the last movie I ever do on this podcast. I just dropped the mic after that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. For you with this movie, with Balls of Fury, it, you went with a starter. So some things had to work. What worked for you about Balls of Fury? Dude, I think it had enough funny one-liners and funny like slapstick moments that were not like your typical, you know, crappy early 2000s movie style. And I think that's because of Thomas Lennon. I think Thomas Lennon was like a co-writer of this and he's a very funny guy. Yes, so, he is Thomas Lennon of of Reno 911. He's He's had a lot of like supporting roles. He's really good. Funny and I Love You, Man. He's in 17 again. Yeah. If anyone's into some Efron, Matthew Perry movies. Yeah, he was He was in some other movie. A lot. Of, he's in roles where I don't realize it's him because he looks so different in a lot of different roles. Yeah, and he's going for it in this movie. He's really trying to... He understands that he wrote this movie and needs to do well. He's going for it as Carl Wolfstag. Exactly, and, and he does a great job. So I think like this movie has some, had good humor. You know, it's very... Early to, or I should say, mid two thousands style of humor, very like vulgar, very locker room talk, like you know, that kind of stuff. But it could have honestly been more vulgar if we're getting into it. I was, I was surprised about that. Yeah, it it really, it it could have done a little bit. I'm wondering if to get made, it didn't. They were like, you can't, (laughs) can't go all the way with this. This has to be something that, that uh, you know, isn't like a uh, like super bad came out the same year. Yeah, yeah, that's a movie that goes all the way. I mean, they're not in the same same real class. No, and I I wonder. I kind of wish I had done a nutshot counter because this movie loved the nutshot. Oh yeah, definite uh, cheap laugh with the nut nutshot. This movie did get a lot of like cheap. This movie shot a lot of shot. Like it threw a lot of darts, but not is not a ton of them hit the board. But it was enough, especially in the second half, to to you know make it a starter. Like. The two the two biggest redeeming things about this movie to me are Dan Fogler, who I really like. I love fanboys. I like him in the first Fantastic Beast movie. And then Christopher Walken's the best part about the movie. Like his outfits, his general comedic timing. One of my one of the other parts where I I, I don't know if I laughed out loud, but it was it was funny, is when he's telling uh he's telling Randy that he's still got, you know, a job for him and email him at Pradafan1 at gmail.com. Yeah, <laughs> which is just really funny to hear Christopher Walken say uh, the name Randy Daytona also kicks ass. Like, it, that's a good it's part a name the that movie. I feel like Thomas Lennon may have wasted that name on this movie. To be honest, yeah, it seems like that could have been a uh, a Reno nine one one character. Honestly, yeah, I, honestly, a good thing this movie did, in my opinion, was it started off like the, I think the matinee scene is great. Like honestly, taking out. Everything that happens after it, especially with the inclusion of George Lopez directly afterwards, the matinee scene with Dave Keckner and then with with uh, Dan Fogler being loser Reno matinee and the like, crowds like apathetic clapping, like I thought that was a great scene. The movie kind of sets you up. You have the the scene with like the the flashback, the the eighty eight Olympics 
where it's Thomas Lennon going forward as Carl Wolfstag. You have that whole setup. Then you go the Keckner, you know, Randy's doing the the Reno sideshow thing, and then it goes into Patton Oswalt is the the guy he's playing. It's kind of like, oh, okay, like this movie's gonna line you up for a lot of stuff like that's gonna be a lot of a lot of faces pop up, and that doesn't doesn't really hold true as much. Like it, this movie, it's funny. It kind of it blows that wad in the first forty minutes of the movie, but the movie really picks up after the first forty minutes. Like it's really, I think the most watchable, the thing that worked most about the movie was just kind of picking up the plot and getting going with things once that once the tourney starts once you get to Fang's mansion and you're in that setting and you've got Christopher Walken in pretty much every other scene just lighting everything on fire he's perfect yeah what did you think of the uh literal sudden death that took place throughout the entire second half of the movie I actually like that I like that that, that that was the thing. Like when he said when he said sudden death, and that was a funny joke. You you kind of I think you probably had it coming, or you probably like knew it was coming. Like I had seen this before, so I wasn't like. But I'm pretty sure the first time I was like, yeah, that probably that sudden death probably means something. And especially you see when Freddie Fingers loses, that he's yeah. looking a little nervous. You're like, oh okay, yeah. I I kind of like that. That was the the stakes they were playing for. Did you have anything else that worked with this one? Well, the, you know, the downfall of Fang was that he had no backhand, and that is something that is very true, and I took down many a person at Grand X. I don't know if people know this, I was the number one ranked ping pong player at Grand X. Uh, I am the first to admit that I was not the best. Uh, Matt Cisneros, uh, he would beat, you know, if I played him, he'd beat me most of the time. I could, I could get some off him. He just didn't play as much, and you needed to kind of hit a minimum threshold to be ranked, you know? So I was a number one ranked player, and my biggest thing, if I ever went down on somebody, maybe somebody had a good serve that day, maybe I was just, you know, I was a little off or something was happening, the, the go-to, and I think people can use this uh, in their ping pong in life, you go for the backhand. if Unless you play... A decent amount of ping pong, your backhand is going to be so much worse than your forehand. And most people's backhand in ping pong is really a push, right? Like you're, a lot of people will attack with their forehand and they'll, they'll go cross court hard. They'll go slam topspin, but their backhand is more of a backspin cut to get it back over the net, which is really accurate at doing. Most of the time, if somebody hits your backhand and you just put the paddle on it with a little backspin, you're going to get it over but it sets them up to slam it back at you most of the time. And you're never going to be able to attack with the backhand unless you have a really good backhand. So, Jared, that's why you were a perfect guest for this movie because (laughs) I would not have... You took a a spoof sports movie and brought something legitimately real and authentic to the the climax of the movie. Yeah. Um, that That is the downfall of Fang. When you said the downfall of Fang, I was like, oh, yeah, the scene where the FBI comes and blows this place up. But you're talking about the literal downfall of him in this movie is, yes, because he doesn't have a backhand. And that yes. is shouts to Balls of Fury for doing something realistic, authentic. And I, I agree that, you know, if you say so, I think that works. I want to get it, into what didn't work because yeah. it's time to talk about George Lopez is just not funny. <laughs> He's yeah, not George Lopez funny. didn't work. And you got to wonder if it was the lines he was given. 
I mean, I'm going to be, I don't want to like offend it. I I don't want to offend anyone. I know George Lopez has had a very successful career. He has a lot of fans. I think we align pretty similarly politically. Uh, He seems to be very outspoken, but I've never found George Lopez that funny. Uh, Just his stand up or anything. I've just never been that into it, but especially in this movie, he's honestly a drag. Um, he is he does, the he worst doing that person Scarface impression and I'm just like stop that the joke is it's not landing it's not funny it's just a tired ass stick his whole thing in the movie is like he'll look he'll he'll maintain eye contact with something lean over towards a character and like do a quiet comment on that thing while maintaining eye contact with it that's like his delivery for so many of his lines in this movie and he never crushes a single one well, and there's no, there's no distinct. It's like he either needs to be a serious agent and be the complete straight man in this movie, or he needs to be aloof and bumbling and make those kind of mistakes. And they have him right in the middle, so mm-hmm. neither really works. It, it's, I don't know if a different actor. I mean, I would like. I think a different actor would have done it better. Like I'll just say it. I don't. Again, I don't find George Lopez funny. <laughs> but I also think there was there was kind of a like not as much direction i don't know if it was his decision or or what but you couldn't like was he the bumbling fbi agent who like fucking shoots the wall when the lamp falls in the middle of the night or like breaks randy's wrist for no reason pretty much or is he (laughs) the or is he the serious guy who has you know who ends up getting the fbi there with his uh with his tracking device or whatever the second one yeah it's just it's Either one, they should have just gone all out for and cast someone else. But I think, for me, that's that's the biggest downfall of the movie. Aside from you know the first forty minutes, there's it. There, like I said, they throw a lot of darts at the board, a lot of cheap jokes. Not all of them land. A lot of them don't land. Uh, a lot of obvious jokes, kind of playing off Chinese heritage again. That those are kind of like fifty fifty. Like some of them are funny, and some of them are like I predicted this punchline. Yeah, uh, you know some physical comedy that lands, but the first forty minutes is just slow. I also think something they really dragged on in this, like they did a horrible job of building up Maggie and Randy's relationship. Oh yeah, that that comes out of nowhere, honestly, dude. It goes from you from when she says bye to him, you don't even know. If they're she, what she's gonna do, you don't even know if they're gonna kiss. You don't even know if she has feelings for him, right? Like the first time that she has feelings for him is when she kisses him on the cheek before he fight, he plays the dragon, right? Yeah, yeah. That that's the first time, and then we don't see really anything else between them. And then, oh my god, they kiss on the lips before he gets on the plane. Wow, first kiss. Then it's, yeah, there there's no chem- the they haven't like time, built chemistry there. By the next time he has contact with her, she is giving her life up for him. Like Maggie, in reality, Maggie should have just like whipped his ass and and Randy had been killed. Yeah. I think it'd probably be better if he had ended up with Mahogany. Like if that that had turned into something like uh, who is who is Fang's right hand woman. Man, she is a badass. She was also thrown 110 miles an hour in this movie. She uh, she looked great. (laughs) Aisha Tyler, I hope but doubt I'm pronouncing that correctly. She is also uh, Lana in Archer. Yeah. 
She's yeah, a, I looked that up too, voice, and I was like, the huh. voice of voice of Lana. Um, I was also disappointed that there wasn't a Carl Randy rematch. Like, I'm kind of disappointed that that got. I, I think that was something that needed to be hashed out. That was a, a supposed to be the climax, right? Like, I'm fine with him playing Fang, but also like it would have been. I would have rather seen him. I would have rather seen Carl get his comeuppance or get something in the like from Randy as opposed to just getting shot in the shot in the neck with a dart. You know, dude. Like, why was the battle with Fang not the final boss battle? Right? Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't get it. I, I don't get why they they made. I, I'm I'm just surprised that they made that they just got rid of Carl. There was really no Randy and Carl didn't. After like Carl talked a bunch of shit to him, and then it, and then they kill off Carl. Yes. Randy doesn't really get his you know his chance at, at at revenge. And not only that, like that is a super like weird kind of not that's not a plot hole. That's just a bad choice. I think a big plot hole. The amount of times that they could have killed George Lopez, they and probably should have. When they. Like, obviously, for our sake, we wanted them to kill George Lopez. But for their sake, they knew he was an FBI agent. They had a gun pointed on him saying, like, hey, we know you're an FBI agent. We found your tracker. Now you still have to play. Like, right then, you kill George Lopez. So the FBI agent's gone. You don't let him stand, like, with Randy in his corner behind the table without anybody, without handcuffs, without any— Like, what are they doing— he killed his own freaking top guy who had been with him for 20 years because he was late bringing Randy there and his soup got cold. That's all it took for him to kill his right-hand man, for Fang to kill his right-hand man. And you're telling me he doesn't kill George Lopez. That, that's it's, a joke. It's definitely a plot hole. I think the biggest, just like talking this through, I think the biggest fallacy in the movie is that Fang isn't... You, you don't build up enough animosity towards Fang in the movie. Like, yes, he killed Randy's dad, and I thought there was going to be more from that. But he also other than killed that fact, Maggie's dad. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but still, other than that fact, like, Christopher Walken's just really likable. Like, Carl's the guy who is <laughs> who is the worst. Like, Fang isn't really the enemy in your eyes until he's like, okay, Randy, we got a player. I'm going to kill you. You know? He tried to give Randy a job. Yeah, he's just being an employer. <laughs> Fang's just he's, so he's like bringing him. jobs to central mexico <laughs> um let's get into what what i am now naming the kevin costner and freddie pinch jr best and worst on-screen athlete jared i think the floor is yours you tell me who the best and worst ping pong players in this movie were okay i said it before worst player is nagasaki I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, you've, you've made your case. He's, the, he's definitely I, the Freddie Prince Jr. worst athlete of this movie. Yeah. So best athlete is tough. Um, I, the, as far as, like, you know, person hyped up to be a great athlete is the dragon. The dragon, I'm sorry, height matters. Reach matters in ping pong. There's a ceiling to the dragon, you know? Like, she might have an unreturnable serve to people who aren't Randy. It's not the dragon. Realistically. So in her age group, she's... She's probably yeah, the peak, yeah, of course. But adult, yeah. she just doesn't have it until she grows. No, doesn't have it. Now, if we're talking like strictly based on the rules of ping pong, if you're gonna let the Siamese twins play together with two paddles, they're gonna be number one. That's, I mean, that's two versus one, right? Yeah, yeah. So 
But realistically, I mean, man, Carl Wolfstag looked pretty unbeatable. He did. He did. Um, I went with Terry Crews. Just Terry Crews is a beast. He's literally I mean, the best yeah. athlete to play in the NFL. He's got the. He's. Dude, did he play in the NFL? I think he had. I, I think he had like practice squads. So Terry Crews was in the NFL at some. That's point. That's cool. Damn. Yeah. So he's very intimidating looking. Definitely the strongest. And he's, he can he can uh, you know spin a ping pong ball on his finger. Great party trick, of course. Which yeah, that'd be awesome. I would love to do that. That'd be so cool. I, I'd also I actually, say uh, Cruz was drafted by the Los Angeles Rams in the eleventh round of the nineteen ninety one NFL draft. His career includes <laughs> uh, stints with the Rams, six games; the Chargers, ten games; the Redskins, sixteen games; and the Eagles, no games. He also played for the Rain Fire during the nineteen ninety five. I that's. NFL Europe, they, it's some weird uh, thing. Yeah. So, but, um, yeah. I actually emulated uh, that scene. The So, I this is, don't make fun of me. I'm just going to tell a story. Uh, sophomore year of college, I I stayed in one night. Uh, and me and me and a buddy were just playing sober, sober beer pong against each other. For fun, like, you know, sophomore year, I think, is the college year of beer pong. You play it a lot because you're settled in. So, like, you're not trying to meet people as much as you're just trying to, like, have fun when you drink. And beer pong is a really fun game. We got really competitive, so it really became, like, you know, an intramural sport of sorts. And we got really good because we we had it set up in my apartment. My friends had it set up in their apartments. And you would just, like, you know, instead of just chilling on the couch watching TV, you just, like, chill. No phones. So you're, you're hanging out with your buddies. And one night, that night we stayed in, I had a perfect game of beer pong. He, he went, I think he missed both his throws. So, you know, I got out of the top of the inning. Uh, and then I came in at the bottom of the inning, and I made every single cup in one turn. I mean, that's impressive. I, I, def- I definitely never did that in, uh, in college. I was awful at beer pong. Yeah, and so we got a plaque for it that I still have, actually. Um, it's, like, literally about 30 feet from me right now. And in the plaque, you you got a free, like, laser-etched picture. So we, t- we, we took a picture of me with a ping-pong ball spinning on my finger, which that, we just— That you, makes we you used. the perfect guest for this movie. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I can't think of anyone else who has something that much, uh, that much related to, to yes. ping-pong. I was like, what should I do for this laser etched photo? Oh, I'm going to do the Freddy fingers. I'm going to, we just, you know, we duct taped a ping pong ball to my finger, but in the, in the picture, which I'll send you a picture of, if you want to put it on social. Oh yeah. That's uh, going up uh, at big screen sports pod on Instagram. Yeah. It's, it's me, you know, doing the Freddy fingers, giving a smile, perfect game of beer pong. Well, speaking of Freddy fingers, let's get into the, the Lenny Harris pinch hit award for best supporting character. There's obviously Cruz as Freddy fingers. Essentially if cheeseburger Eddie played ping pong, there's James Hong as Wong, Randy's uh, mentor. Maggie Q as Maggie. Uh, we've already, you know, we talked about her. Aisha Taylor as Mahogany. Uh, Thomas Lennon as Carl Wolfstag. Robert Patrick, the, the Terminator from Terminator 2, as Sergeant <laughs> Pete. Sergeant Pete Daytona, the From Trouble with the gambler. Curve, too. Oh, he is in Trouble with the Curve, the worst sports movie of all time, uh, Trouble <laughs> with the Curve. And then Diedrich Bader is Gary the Sex Slave. I'm I would want to give it to Diedrich Bader. He had the least to do, and he was one of the funnier guys in the movie. I, I mean, I think undoubtedly, like Diedrich Bader had the most funny moments. He crushed his role the most, and I also liked him in Drew Carey Show. So like, I, I liked him going into it. And he's so I Lawrence think from Office Space. 
Yeah, he, he did a phenomenal job. Uh, I think I have a few, I, or I have two underrated uh, Okay, hit me with them. People. I already said David Kechner, or Kechner, I don't know which one it is, um, who I actually saw him. I went to a Jay Leno show taping, and it was him and who's Judd Apatow's wife? Uh, Leslie Bibb. Or yes. Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann, yes. Leslie so Mann. I saw Leslie, Leslie Mann and Dave Keckner on Jay Leno show taping. It was it was a good experience. I, I, I grew up loving Jay Leno. I know I know he's not for everybody. Uh, I grew up, me and my dad would watch headlines every week. And I, I, I would watch Jay Leno. I'd watch Conan. So that was cool. Seeing Dave Keckner there was really cool. You, you, the coolest thing about going to a late night show taping is like, you're, it's complete luck of the draw, right? Like you might get, the worst guest, somebody you've never heard of, don't care about. You I might get lucky. George Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine if you go to a George Lopez show taping, you would have gotten that every single time. Oh, that's tough. They had to have been given those tickets away. Yeah. <laughs> I, it it kind of sucks. Like, again, you might make fun of me for this. I actually grew up, my family, George Lopez show was appointment television. We watched that every week. See, that's just, that just not me. Not my scene. <laughs> Couldn't be Kyle. Couldn't be me. Couldn't catch me watching George Lopez. Yeah, I just think there's funnier, you know, funnier. There were funnier comedians for me. He yeah. wasn't Carlos I, Mencia bad, but he just <laughs> wasn't my thing. Yeah. So my two supporting characters, um, dude. I thought Wong had a lot of good one-liners. He did, but they gave him the most ammo. I would say he threw the most <laughs> comedy darts at the board. Honestly, oh, I think they but, gave him the most for sure. He he was a volume shooter, one hundred percent. He he threw out so like you said he threw, he he threw out twenty darts and hit five bullseyes. He Wait, was no, like sorry. Trey Young in the summer league last year. Like he was <laughs> yeah, throwing exactly. up everything. It was like five bullseyes and all the rest. Like maybe maybe one or two stayed in and the rest hit the wall. You know you, you got to go get some toothpaste and cover that over the holes in the wall so your landlord doesn't know that you had a dartboard. Yeah, need a little that, bit of stucco, a little stucco there. So the other one. And very, very low key. I think he had two lines and he crushed both of them. Hi, welcome to Fang's bathroom. Oh, uh, the guy from Heroes. Yes, the, the guy from Heroes. Dude, he was hilarious. He was really smiley, but he had like an AK-47 across his chest. And he's like, hey, welcome to Fang's bathroom. Was that before he became famous for Heroes? Oh, that must have been, dude. That dude would never... T- he, took a, he wouldn't have taken a two-line roll after <laughs> Euros. I mean, he probably would now. Oh, dude, that, that dude would jump at this now. Like, His what name the hell was uh, Massey Oka. Again, I am horrible with names. Uh, yeah, right now he is... Uh, oh, he was in Spies in Disguise, which I took my six-year-old to see. Oh, um, he's in how Hawaii was that? Five O. Uh, it was wasn't bad. I got a ten minute nap during the movie. So <laughs> um, he was in Mozart in the Jungle, which was a show that I always meant to check out, never did. Um, so he's been working since Heroes, but obviously not, uh, you know, not not to the same height as Heroes. And and you know, nothing as funny as Fang's bathroom attendant. Yeah, he definitely was not Fang's. That's a good one. That's a good one. I had forgotten about him. Um, <laughs> like just a that's I think that scene is a such a good example of like this movie as a whole there's random five second hilarious little things followed by like whatever like average movie dialogue and like subpar acting from george lopez but then you have another thing you're like that's pretty freaking funny like wow it's yeah the movie uh, had it had 
some opportunity to be funnier. And it, and it put in, it had set pieces and it had, there were pieces in place to make this even better. It just didn't, just didn't get there. Like for the big chill, I didn't really, I didn't have a big chill moment. And for a comedy, it's not, you're, you're not, for most of them, you're, you're not really supposed to. There's not really many big chill moments in I did, comedies, I, especially I, yeah. spoofs. I felt no chill. This I did not have a chill. Um, I felt pretty relaxed, and and my hair did not stand on end at any point in the movie. Yeah, and that's this. I will say that this movie did not try to go for that. No. Um, but however, do you think this would make a good thirty for thirty? Because like I'm in the camp. Honestly, if this had real happened in real life, this would probably make a good thirty for thirty. I mean, so tell me. I imagine there's no footage or photos from inside the competition, right? Probably. Just, so, so what's what do you is it is it just interviews? Like, is it just like are they interviews? So I think it's based on the. It's probably the thirty for thirty is probably based on the life of Randy Daytona, and so you get into the whole thing with his like his upbringing, his life as a prodigy, going to the Olympics his dad, you get into a lot of that stuff. You get into how I, I'm assume tough his life was from between when we see him at the Olympics versus we see him at the casino performing with David Koechner. And then when it gets into, but it's like the FBI then recruits him after all this has been declassified. And then it is done with a lot of like interviews, like first person interviews, uh, pictures of Fang and his demolished like compound whenever that happens and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think that's how they do it. There's obviously I don't think there's any footage inside Fang's place. You're right. Dude, it would be a, it what's what's really funny is if you took this movie and you laid it out for somebody and didn't tell them it was a comedy, like, dude, it's pretty dark. Yeah. This oh yeah. Childhood no. ping pong prodigy Dad is a compulsive gambler, bets on him, he loses, and his dad gets killed. That's how the movie starts. Yeah, that is, that Super is very, sad. yeah, it is very dark. I mean, it is technically a crime movie as well. So, yeah, I like how they called it a crime movie. I mean, dude, if you're telling me that the crime is, is the gun smuggling, that's a plot point for about three minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah, you really don't know what Fang's all about. You just know he's a bad guy. He's a gun runner. Like, we know that he, he has made guns that, are, that have no metal in them, so they pass through a metal detector. Hey, here's what they don't talk about. How the fuck do you bring bullets in? Are there bullets that don't have metal? That didn't talk about that. Just they don't saying. really touch on a lot of Fang's malfeasance <laughs> and misdealings. It's really, they really yeah. focus on his murders. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. So, but like the reason that FBI is bringing him down is for the gun running. Like they, they pretty probably passed statute of limitations for, you know, the murders he orchestrated at this point it took place in like the freaking eighties. Yeah, but a thirty for thirty on a uh, ping pong player who took down a gun runner would be sick. Yeah, I would one hundred percent watch that. It's funny the different ways you can frame this thirty for thirty up, and most of them are good. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, think, I, I don't mean, think any of them are bad, except for the life of George Lopez. But he life sucked at George, ping pong. Yeah, no, I I would hope that that agent would get would get skewered in that thirty for thirty. <laughs> Jared, the last and most important question: How would you improve this movie? Do you think the bones are there, the in the structure of this movie to make a much better move to make it into an all star? I I do. I do. I, I think, agree. I think there was something here. Yeah. I, I think, first off, you know, the, the cast is so good. And so many of the, of the guys who I would have had in my top five of this 
like cast got like Dave Keckner, Thomas Lennon, like these dudes got such small parts. Patton Oswald almost never speaks. <laughs> yeah, Patton Oswald. It was, what an what a like it's I one thing I really do enjoy, I will say, about early mid two thousands movies is that like people who are like we would consider like stars do really seem to do really small bit parts in some movies. And this movie should have tried to get more of that. And we don't know if they did. But like two years later, Dan Fogler's in Fanboys. And that movie, one, the cast is a little bit better. Like the actual main cast, it's got uh, Jay Baruchel, Mm -hmm. uh, David Denman, Kristen Bell. That's a better movie. It was a better plot. It wasn't like, you know, throwaway comedy. But this movie got Christopher Walken. And Fanboys also has an incredible, like, Seth Rogen double cameo. This movie needed more stuff like that. It needed a better utilize. Like, they might have had Patton Oswalt for 15 minutes. Like, we don't know. But (laughs) not using him more, not having, like, Patton Oswalt be the FBI agent. David Koechner is the FBI agent. This movie's an all-star guaranteed. Yeah. Dude, David Koechner, I don't even know. You don't even need to, like, all you have to do legitimately is replace David Koechner, his singing character, with William Hung. Very topical for 2007, I feel like. Amazing, yeah. And the, uh, give give William Hung, you know, a three minute part in a movie. So you get like the ha ha funny topical. He's bad at singing. People like you get that like crowd riled up, and then boom, David Koechner comes in and just is funny for the rest of the movie and isn't a dud who has no delivery, no timing. His character's barely hashed out, and he's just literally there to move the plot along. David Koechner essentially is his character from The Goods, and you put him in this movie, and it's much better. Um, I also think you need to cut the first 40 minutes of the movie in half. You need to make it 20 minutes. You need to get to Christopher Walken faster. Like, if you can't get David Koechner a better cast or some more cameos, you need to get to Walken faster because he's the thing that's holding this movie up. I agree. Why don't you – how about this? You take out a couple of the training scenes that were that were worthless. There were – there was a one – there was one scene. I just remembered this. It, it cuts back to Randy playing against Maggie when he has the spoon. And oh yeah, he's got the yeah the wooden spoon. Yeah, yeah. That whole scene, like we know, that's meant to like further show that Randy is struggling with. It. That's like the they they try to make that be. Oh, he's really having a hard time in training. Maybe he's not gonna push through. Like we we didn't need that scene. Like we know he's having a hard time training. He's not doing well. Here's what you do: take out that scene and give us a scene from inside Fang's compound. Like, give us some inner workings of the Fang system. Maybe introduce. Well, I guess the courtesans had a good introduction, but you know, maybe you know, just give it. Give me more Christopher Walken. Give me give me some Fang scenes. Build Fang up as a villain more rather than a hero who we just have to hate because. Of we know he's a bad guy, not because we want to hate him. Yeah, the training should have been a five minute montage. Like, yeah. let, let's just we need to get to walking faster. I think that's Seth the main Def thing. Leopard. The movie, yeah, exactly. You let's hey, we're gonna play pour some sugar on me. We're gonna watch <laughs> Randy get better at ping pong. It, everyone's gonna be happy. We're gonna get to Feng's compound. We're gonna get things moving. Wong is and, gonna and, step on a rake and it's gonna whack him in the face because he's blind. Ha ha! You get that joke in there. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's a much better movie. And then it's like 80 minute runtime, you know, you're good to go. It'd be, it'd be much better. Yeah. Uh, I will say it movie was like, and it was an hour and a half. It's pretty, I feel like it's pretty long. 
It's, for... it's longer than it needs to be for sure. <laughs> I mean, you could have cut 10 minutes off that easy. Yeah. Easy, and it's better. You could have cut 10 bad minutes you know, out of the, the first 40 minutes, and it's much better, but... You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think they're going to be remaking this one, so I don't <laughs> think we can. You know, I, I, I don't think any of our ideas are going to happen. But Jared, I appreciate you coming on this podcast, breaking down this movie, bringing some authentic ping pong talk. We, we mm-hmm. didn't even talk about Christopher, how Christopher Walken says ping pong. I, ping pong, ping pong. Great. Christopher <laughs> Walken's so good in this movie. But Jared, thanks so much for coming on. Tell the folks again where they can follow you on social media and when they can check out your podcast. You can follow me on social media at Jared Borislow, J-A-R-E-D-B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W. I'm on the Ross Bolin podcast uh, like once a week-ish. Uh, Freeze All Motor Functions comes back later this month. If you're a Westworld fan, get on board with us. We are the number one ranked Westworld podcast on iTunes, and we are going to be breaking it down. We're not like those other Westworld podcasts that aren't funny. We do the whole thing as a joke, but we also have good insight into the show. Also, for funny dating app conversations, and just to make yourself feel better about your dating life and how you are as a human being, check out at Tinder Convos on Instagram. Kyle, thank you very much. It's great talking to you again. Great getting back into the content game with you. Of course, Jared. I I appreciate you coming on. Uh, For anyone who is not a Westworld fan, take 20 hours, watch it. It's one of the best things on TV right now. Uh, We've got all the episodes backlogged. If you want to watch through it, listen to us. We have no spoilers in the episodes. So you can like, you know, when you watch episode one, listen to our episode one podcast and nothing is going to be spoiled for you. Yeah, perfect. You can do a rewatch. But if you're enjoying big screen sports, please make sure you're subscribed episodes every Monday. If you haven't yet, please leave a five star rating and a review. They do help this podcast and massage my fragile ego. Next week, we have Days of Thunder with Ryan McGee from ESPN. Going to be a good one. I'll catch you then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.